The following podcast is a deep, shallow dive production. Okay, let's go. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. And I do apologize to the 7 a.m. crew. Sorry for getting this one out later today. I watched, gosh, why do I do this to myself? Seriously. I torture myself. No, I'm just kidding. But I did watch the Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, great red versus great blue state debate. Man, they could have come up with a better name for that. So anyway, I did watch that last night and I wanted to kind of see what the reaction was prior to recording this. And honestly, I was exhausted, so I just couldn't get it done last night. But anyway, let me start out by talking about that. I'm not going to talk about the debate too much, but you know, what I will say is overall, I, I honestly think, and this has been, been prevalent in the Republican debates as well. And, you know, if there will be democratic debates or if they end up doing any type of, you know, debate between candidates, I mean, gosh, I hope who knows, maybe the Vivek versus RFK thing will get a second life after last night. I did reach out to to both crews this morning and kind of gauge where they are on that thing. But, you know, I will say overall, I think the saddest reflection of this is just the discourse that takes place between the candidates. I mean, we've lost all, all gentlemanness, for lack of a better way of saying it. And even last night, you know, it started off okay. You know, Sean Hannity from Fox, I, I thought he could have controlled it better. Honestly, I, I I don't think there's an issue with shut off the other person's debate, shut off the other person's microphone when you're asking the first person the question, because the interruptions and all that, they they just they just make it annoying and, and they make you angry while you're watching it, like like angry for humanity and for the country, and so. You know, I think overall we've just lost a sense of decorum when it comes to this stuff. I went back and looked at like debates from the Reagan era, John F. K. versus Nixon. Like those guys were gentlemen to each other, you know, Walter Mondale, all these guys. I mean, again, I'm sure they were as as well, maybe, maybe not as arch enemies as politics has gotten today. Actually, I I don't think it was as divided back then. But, you know, they were gentlemen to each other, and it was a debate that had substance, you know, even even other debates between world leaders. And, and you know, I've got a great clip from Nelson Mandela that I'm going to be playing in an upcoming episode. You know, it was just, it was, it was intellectual, and it was, it, it had manners, and there was a level of, you know, there was a level of, of respect between candidates. And again, last night, I don't think any of that existed. My overall summary was, personally, this is just my own view. Let's start with Gavin Newsom. He, this guy, I mean, he is slick. He is very, very, very slick. And he's a politician. He's really good at being a politician. He actually reminds me a lot of Benjamin Netanyahu. He really does. Those two guys, they're both very good at being politicians. But, you know, from from literally the opening statement, he deflected 
most questions. He took, he, he's very good at taking questions with data, mind you, with, with his data, the data that he wants to talk about in a direction that he wants to take. And so there was, you know, slide after slide where Fox and Sean, Sean Hannity were putting up stats. I mean, these are like legitimate stats, whether it was from the CDC, the Census Bureau, you know, these are stats that are, are accepted by most people. And, you know, he would just, he would just completely gloss over it because the stats made California look terrible and they made Florida look great. And you know what? Those are the stats. They're probably real. So anyway, overall on him, you know, I did think that, that he's just slick. He's just slick, but there's a lack of substance. I also think He's just not genuine. I mean, listen, if you want to if you want to support the Biden Harris ticket, that's great. Honestly, I totally respect that. That's your party if you want to support that side. But you know, you just cannot come out with a straight not a straight face cuz he can definitely do it with a straight face. And dude, that guy's teeth. He's got like it looks like he has like double veneers on. They're thick and they're white. I have pretty white teeth, naturally white teeth. Thank you very much. But man, that dude, that thing was like glowing through my TV. But he can keep a straight face. But you know, you just, you can't, you got to call a spade a spade. Actually, that's, that's a, that's an amazing, an amazing way to put it when it comes to that, you know, just call a spade a spade. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to sit down and talk about the positive things of anybody, including, including Biden and the Biden administration. But at the same time, you can't say everything's positive. And that applies to California as well. I mean, I literally moved out of Los Angeles Gave up the nickname L.A. Ray, which ended up being the third greatest nickname in history behind number two, the big hurt, Frank Thomas, and number one, the big unit, Randy Johnson, both in baseball, actually. If there are other great nicknames of all time, send them to me. Maybe I'll revise that list. But right now, L.A. Ray ranks number three, and I gave that up because I just couldn't take it anymore. I could not take the, the mess for lack of a better way of putting it, they put up a they put up a graphic last night that showed. I guess somebody is has, and again, this is legit. Somebody's created a feces tracker. This is a map of San Francisco. <laughs> There's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. And you see how almost the whole thing is covered because that is what has happened in one of the previous greatest cities this country's ever had. Human feces is now a a fact of life, except when a communist dictator comes to town. Then they cleaned up the street. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, That's true because it's true. But it's also true because it's true. All right, there you have it. That was a double, a double clip merge. So that was DeSantis last night talking about the poop map. And when you zoom out, the entire city of San Francisco looks like a big turd, which it kind of is. So it's like a big turd because people have feces everywhere. Now, again, I know that's a little extreme, but I don't know if you've been to San Francisco over the past four years. 
It's, it's awful. And so is Los Angeles. Los Angeles really has gone downhill, you know, ever since, ever since COVID and then the, the BLM riots and all that. It's just not the same city. The energy's not there. And, you know, that was one of the big reasons I moved out of there. But you, when you can't call a spade a spade on even that, you know, I, I would have respected Gavin Newsom much more if he'd have said, hey, you know what? We went through a bunch of things. And yeah, you know, President President Xi Jinping came out. I mean, he already did say this, came out to San Francisco. You know, we took a lot of effort to clean things up and moving forward. You know, we're going to we're going to bounce back. Yeah, we we had a little bit of a setback with all that, but we're going to bounce back. You know, personally, I think that's a much more authentic take. Obviously, it's the truth and it's more authentic and you know, it would lead to independent voters or people that, you know, may not really want to vote Republican. Like if, especially, I don't think this is going to happen, but especially if Trump ends up getting, getting the nomination, somebody that's undecided or just that hates Trump so much, they would literally vote for Willy Wonka before voting for Trump. You know, I think they would absolutely vote for someone like Gavin if if he could just bring more authenticity to to his rhetoric because for somebody that is not attached to either party right now it just comes off as rhetoric to me so anyway that's Gavin Newsom let me talk a little bit about DeSantis you know I've been pretty critical on him throughout the Republican debates and honestly I think deservedly so I think he's run a terrible I think he's run a terrible Republican nomination campaign. I think he's gotten completely owned in all of the debates, although he did do better in the in that third debate. But last night I thought he did I thought he did great actually, believe it or not. And again, I'm not a I'm not a big Ron DeSantis fan. I haven't really liked his stances on recent issues at all. You know, he's definitely shown me a little bit of you know, being bought and paid for by the establishment. I, I really do think that now. But I think last night he really did well sticking to kind of, you know, his comfort zone. And and this this goes to what I've talked about when it related to the Republican stage. I think that stage is too big for him. But this stage was perfect. It's governor versus governor. You know, it's one-on-one. I think he does better in a one-on-one setting versus the group setting. And so I thought he did well. I mean, his best, his best clip of the night was when he was talking about here. Let me see if I can find it. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, you oh, know, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. That was, that was pretty hardcore. That was like a mic drop moment. And the reason I think it's true is because Gavin Newsom did not say anything about it. He literally did not, you know, say, oh, that's a lie. My father-in-law never said that I would take him off my payroll if he did or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like he did not comment on that at all. He basically moved on. Therefore, I mean, that's a pretty hardcore thing for your father-in-law when you're the governor of California to tell the governor of Florida. Seriously. (laughs) 
Think about that. Okay. Again, that was my take on it. Now, I'm going to read you. I had a little little late night chat with a buddy. And, you know, I'm not going to say his name. But I'm going to read a couple things here. Because I guess this is just a reflection on, man, how different people are viewing things these days. And again, I'm not going to even say right or wrong. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong on the way I saw that debate last night. Maybe, maybe this person is completely right. But for example, his take was this debate was a complete obliteration. Gavin wiped the floor with Ron with facts. That was one thing he said. And then I said, what debate were you watching? Newsom literally avoided every question. I thought he came off terrible. I'm not even a DeSantis fan, but I thought he actually did well. He wrote back, wow, you're delusional and lean more right wing than you're cognizant of. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really think I do, but you know, I guess to each their own, if that's how he interpreted, you know, what I said. You're falling for the GOP playbook bullshit. Didn't think you would be that naive. Shocking. (laughs) Dude, bro, bro, this is why you don't text each other at like 11 o'clock at night. Bro got a little visceral on his boy. And I'm his boy. What the heck? He also wrote, Newsom avoids the traps and bullshit. He's two steps ahead of Fox. Okay, I mean... That's one interpretation of it. Or another interpretation of it could be he doesn't answer the question. We then had a little... (laughs) Somehow... (laughs) Somehow Ron Jeremy entered the chat. Not literally, but he brought something up about Ron Jeremy. And that's when I was like, dude, I'm laying in bed. This is weird texting you. Good night, you delusional bastard. And then he wrote back, it's only weird because you're a little turned on. That is not true at all. Wow. I just gave you a little snapshot into last night, Ray D at, what time was this? Let's see. Oh my God. It was at 11 o'clock. Good Lord. Oh my goodness gracious. What the heck am I doing these days? All right. Anyway, that is, that's my summary on the debate. If anybody watched it and you had your thoughts, I would love to hear them. I would appreciate them presented to me in a slightly more cordial manner than my friend from last night at 11 p.m., but I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, and and again, I mean, God dang, I'm open to stuff. I really am. I am open to stuff. And and even, even in this situation, because I'm not a tremendous Ron DeSantis fan. I mean, I'm calling balls and strikes here as well. You know, I'm just viewing it as I, I'm calling it as I viewed it. And the fact that I live in California and I've seen with my own eyes, really the deterioration of Los Angeles and even San Francisco, you know, I can speak to that. And I've, and I've been to Florida a few times and, and it is, it is drastically different, you know, and, and a lot of it also is the energy. You know, when I went to, when I went to Florida, God, people definitely seem a lot happier than they are in 
Los Angeles and California in general, not so much Orange County and San Diego. Those these areas are a lot more chill, but LA for sure. And I'm assuming San Francisco was the same. So anyway, if anybody watched it, has thoughts, let me know. We can talk about that. All right. Let me go over a couple other things that that I wanted to talk about, and then we'll just kind of wrap it up. You know, a lot of Elon Musk stuff happened this week, and you know, I was a little bit kind of trying to trying to figure everything out with him. You know, again, I've said this before. I am a, a fan of Elon Musk. Again, not a fanboy, but a fan. You know, I do. First of all, I do respect you know what he's accomplished business wise because as an entrepreneur, you know, running one or two businesses is is daunting, especially if you're a small to mid sized company. You know, let alone running you know three gigantic corporations the way he does with Tesla X and then his SpaceX entity. And you know, I do respect that. I've always felt he's, he kind of rises above things. And I really have always felt that he kind of a little bit kills people with kindness, which I think absolutely does work. And then also kills people a little bit with intellect and facts, which I also think absolutely does work. And I do think he calls a spade a spade a lot of times on a lot of things and, and he takes the heat for it. But this past week, I don't know. I think they finally got to him or or the pressure finally got to him. And there were two two instances. The first was he traveled to Israel and then met with uh, Netanyahu and then met with President Isaac Herzog. And I'm not going to play those clips because honestly, I, I just don't even think they're they're worth listening to. But, you know, he basically went to Israel to kind of make peace because in a couple recent interviews, and again, I I don't view what he said as anti-Semitic. I really don't. I mean, I think the term anti-Semitic gets tossed around, you know, a, a little too easily, you know, being critical or even even questioning something doesn't doesn't immediately make you anti-Semitic. I mean, if you if you if you say wipe Israel off the map, okay, yeah, you're anti-Semitic. And that's not cool. Nobody, nobody deserves to be wiped off the map. And that's truly how I feel. But and again, causing harm to people, what happened October 7th, innocent civilians getting killed, all that stuff is awful. Like, like, like whoever does that, you're you're a you're a bad human being and, and you deserve what you get. But again, when you just sort of express views, I don't I don't think that should immediately be be you should be labeled that. And so he he did. He kind of came under some heat from a couple of various comments, which I've listened to all of them. And you know, I, I didn't view any of them anything besides his honest take and nothing to do with religion or nothing to do with anything. But I think he came under a ton of heat. So he went over there, kind of kind of, you know, the made peace, so to speak. It looked like more of a PR event than anything. And then I don't know. I think he kind of maybe regretted it because he came back and did an interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin in New York in some type of uh, advertising summit, and he got a little unhinged. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? Really quick, I know a lot of kids listen to this. Actually, I I think a lot of my friends' kids do listen to it. I'm just giving a little bit of warning. Got an F-bomb coming up. 
if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't about- advertise. That was pretty clear. That was pretty clear, especially the second one. You know, when he said the first go F yourself, the audience was kind of like, whoa, and it didn't really get a reaction. I honestly thought he was going to take it in a different direction because again, you know, reading the room, you drop the first F bomb and it really didn't get much of a reaction besides a little awkward silence. You might be like, oh God, I shouldn't have said that, but no, Bro doubled down on it, and he he enunciated it even greater. Go fuck yourself. All right, sorry about that. I normally don't like to to swear on this podcast, but you know what? I think that was uh, that was a little necessary to prove the point. But anyway, you know, again, I mean, uh, I I can't really. I'm not mad at him for what he said. I'm really not. But I do think that. This was the first time I've really seen him, you know, rattled, you know, a little bit rattled. And I think when you're playing at that level, God, I mean, this is so much easier said than done. I Say what you will about Elon or Trump for that matter, but look at what these two guys deal with on a daily basis in terms of, you know, the... Just the difficulty, not even difficulty, but man, the, the, the people that go up against them. And again, whether you, so this is seriously where I'd really ask you to kind of rise above and, and, and separate your emotions for a second and look at this thing from 30,000 feet. You know, again, these are, these are two guys that, that they're bucking, they're bucking the norm and they're bucking What's going on? Now, again, I know there's a million things that someone would respond right now, but my point is, you know, it's difficult doing what they're doing or anyone for that matter that goes against the grain of, you know, what, what is generally, generally taking place. And so the pressure and the anxiety that comes with that, it's, it's gotta be intense. So with Elon, you know, I really do think this, entire situation in the past couple of weeks and who knows what else is going on, obviously at that level. But, you know, I did think it got to him. I thought he could have done that a little bit better and, and really kind of accomplished more from that. You know, I think when you take it in that direction, it just, even if it's, even if it's true, it doesn't accomplish anything. The Bob he mentioned was Bob Iger, CEO of Disney. So, Anyway, that's, that's, that's big boy. That's big boy arguments right there. All right, let me stick on politics for a second. I don't think I brought this up in a previous episode, but the Koch brothers, K-O-C-H, these are two of the biggest Republican donors, power players that have been in, in the game for a long time. And, you know, again, at that level, there's a lot of shade factor that comes with these guys. And there's been a lot of negativity over the years about, you know, their influence over elections. It's kind of like if you haven't watched Succession on HBO, that's a great show. And that really, 
is the case. It's about a very, very, very powerful media family. I think it's based on Rupert Murdoch's family overall, but I think there's elements of the Koch brothers in that. And I do think these guys are, you know, again, I'm not saying they're bad, but, but they basically do what's best for them. And if society ends up benefiting because of that, you know, so be it. Anyway, they ended up putting their weight behind Nikki Haley. So think what you will of that. For me personally, that that kind of cements the fact that I think Nikki Haley is somebody that is completely part of, you know, part of the establishment, as they say, and part of, you know, part of that group of uniparty politicians that basically want someone in the office that will go along with what they want. So Koch brothers behind Nikki Haley, your 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 decision what to make of that. By the way, another quick update. I do not love this Notion app. I talked about it in a previous episode. It's a way for me to like organize my my thoughts for upcoming episodes. I don't love it. So I do not recommend it anymore. I'm going to try and find something better to kind of be 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 a tool to capture thoughts for things. All right. Last thing just a quick little recap. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the episodes from this week, honestly, I really, I really was proud of the week of pods. And we had one talking about the Nord Stream 2 explosion, which was a Deep Shallow Dive exclusive. That means this episode will be extra lit. <laughs> yes, it does. Extra lit. Okay, we had a good episode on, you know, I really do think there is something going on and has been going on between Benjamin Netanyahu and then Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority. Next week, I'm going to really dive into the Palestinian Authority and then the situation on the West Bank. I think that's long overdue to understand that that section of Israel. Episode 61 was about Iraq, the story of Iraq. I think that was really good. And then episode 60 from Monday talked a lot about kind of what's going on with the Merrick, uh, New York Mayor Eric Adams, Jamie Foxx, um, more on Netanyahu. So anyway, some good ones from last week. Definitely give a listen. And then I am going to leave you with a teaser for another upcoming Deep Shallow Dive exclusive. And for those of you that did not know, and you know, you a lot of people just have no idea anything about this guy, but Henry Kissinger died at the age of 100. And if you have no idea about Henry Kissinger, which you probably don't, because this dude was one of the most powerful, most gangster, most influential people of our generation that flew completely under the radar and really nobody knows about. But I think the late, great Anthony Bourdain put it best. Call a spade a spade. Enjoy your weekend. The great Anthony Bourdain once said, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. You will never again be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous prevaricating, murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with Charlie Rose. Witness what Henry did in Cambodia, the fruits of his genius for statesmanship, and you will never again understand why he's not sitting in the dock at The Hague next to Milosevic. This episode was brought to you by Boost Liquid Vitamins. Wake up, take your boost, start your day. Drink your vitamins, 
build your immune system with Boost. Available on Boost.com.